0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com and now let's get into today's reading.:
1: Okay, this is really a powerful chapter. It's one that's referred to a lot. I referred to it a lot. many believers do. Thank God that Uh, the Holy Spirit saw fit to include this in the Bible. But let's read it now. Ephesians chapter 6 from the New King James Version, the Apostle Paul writing, and he says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Don't you love that God is talking to children? He doesn't only talk to adults, but he as it were like jesus took the children in his arms god now here by the holy spirit through the apostle paul is talking to children people who are still under the care of their parents still living in their parents home and likely this is going to be talking about teenagers and below and it says that though all of us need to honor our father and mother But once we move out, once we get married and such, we don't necessarily have to obey everything that they asked us to do, though, you know, in honor, you want to try. But this is talking to children. And it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Well, obviously, if if you have a parent that is an atheist or an unbeliever that tells you, I don't want you to serve God, I don't want you to believe in God, well, you're not supposed to obey that so that's why he says in the lord it has to be within the guidelines of serving the lord and such and uh, many people would think that this would refer to ch- to parents who are believers but i think to take that and to say that if your parents are unbelievers uh, then you don't have to obey them i think that would not be what paul's saying here i, I think it's pretty clear he's saying obey your parents unless they're directing you to go outside of serving God. So, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. By the way, that's one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And then he quotes the promise. And this comes straight out of the book of Exodus, straight out of the Ten Commandments. God says, honor your father and your mother. And here it is, verse three, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Did you know that as a young person, by obeying your father and your mother, that God will cause things to go well for you where they don't go well for just anybody else? And he goes on to say, and that you may live long on the earth. There are so many people who live a long life, and we, I think, rarely, if ever, ask the question, I wonder how they honor their parents. I wonder if that has anything to do with the length of their life, uh, that they honor their parents according to this commandment. And so I also believe, on the contrary, that there are people who had their lives cut short unnecessarily because they dishonored their parents. But this says God wants us to honor our parents and for things to go well with us and for us to live long on the earth. Verse four, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So he instantly begins to speak to fathers. This would be for parents as well, but he speaks specifically to fathers. Don't provoke your children to wrath just because you do have authority over them, just because you are bigger and stronger as they're growing up don't take advantage of that and provoke them to get angry and such. He said, but train them up in the training and the admonition, the instruction of the Lord. Verse five, bond servants. Oh, now he's going to go right to bond servants. I like to apply this to employees who work for a boss. You may even be a manager or a supervisor, but you still have a boss. So he says, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. In other words, don't get cocky and think I don't have to listen to them. I can talk bad behind their back and such. The Bible says, no, don't do that. Bond servants, be obedient to your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart. Watch this, as to Christ, work for them as if you're working directly for Jesus himself. Now, you may say, well, they're not Jesus because Jesus is perfect. And the way that they treat me or overlook me or they're ungrateful toward me, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's all true because nobody measures up to Jesus. But, of course, there are some bosses that are worse than others. But notice here he says to serve them, to serve them, according to the flesh, in other words, your masters here on earth, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart. In other words, not talking behind their back, but be sincere. Be the same person to their face as you are behind their back. In sincerity of heart as to Christ, watch this, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. So again, he's saying, don't be a two-face. Serve them with all diligence, Serve them like you're working for Jesus Himself, not just when they're watching, but all the time. Serve them like that, not just to be men pleasers, or not just to get a promotion, not just to suck up to the boss, but serve with all all sincerity and with all your heart. So he goes on to say in verse seven, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. Oh, listen to this. Paul said, listen, God is watching how you perform these duties and how you serve your bosses. And God will reward you, even if the boss does not reward you, whether the boss does or not. God will reward you because he's watching to see if you're responding according to his good pleasure, according to his word, what we're reading about right now so knowing that whatever good anyone does he will receive the same from the lord whether he is a slave or free so even slaves and back in these days they had slaves we've had it in our history i don't agree with it don't think we ought to but nonetheless paul is saying even if you find yourself to be a slave or a real servant paul said god will honor you if you'll serve from the heart and not become vicious not become retaliatory and such. Verse 9, and you masters do the same things to them. Oh, now he's going to turn right around and talk to the masters. (laughs) In other words, the bosses, uh, whoever's in charge, whoever has that position of authority. You masters do the same things to them. See, in the Lord, they're no different. They're still children of God. They're still sinners who have been saved by grace, etc., Do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master, capital M, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. He's saying, masters, don't forget you have a master over you. It's God himself. And uh, so make sure that you're treating those employees, those people who are serving you. Make sure you're treating them well and such. Uh, as unto the Lord, as you would treat the Lord himself, who, if Jesus was the one washing your feet, how would you treat them? How would you talk to them? Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You're not on your own. You don't have to rely on your own strength. Be strong in the Lord, in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, of course, he's going to go on and tell us how to do that by using the very armor of God. So be strong in the Lord. Notice he says, be strong. Not do you feel strong, but be strong. In other words, even when you feel weak, you can, by your faith, embrace the strength of God and you can be strong. You can muster that strength, not just in your willpower. No, not just psychologically, but in the Lord, the very strength, the very power of God. You have access to it. So finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice, we get to wear God's armor. (laughs) Talk about the weapons of our warfare We get to wear the very armor of God Almighty. I like what one uh, minister said. He said, you know, you put that helmet on and you flap that, you know, face mask down. The devil can't even tell whether it's you or God. (laughs) And I thought that was I thought that was funny. Well, whether that's true or not, there's something to the fact that this is not just armor created by God but it's the very armor of God. Put on the armor of God. And I'll show you what that means in just a moment. Uh, He said that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice by wearing God's armor, employing, using God's armor, you can stand against every crafty scheme and attack of the devil. Thank God. I'll show you that again in just a a moment. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. What is that? He's giving four levels of demonic forces principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul is saying, with the armor of God, you can engage take on and overcome every level of the kingdom of darkness. Thank God. So he goes on to say, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. In other words, in the day when all hell breaks loose, in the day when just an onslaught of an attack comes against you with this armor, you can withstand it even in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore having, and then he begins to get into the armor, having girded your waist with truth. Now, let me just stop right there, because Many people talk about putting on the armor of God, but very few people really know how to do it. How do you put on the armor of God? Some people think, well, you just make motions. You say, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put on the helmet of salvation. I put on, I take up the shield of faith. I put on the shoes of the gospel of peace and so on. And they'll just go through the motions. In fact, some kid songs uh, that have been written go through those motions. And I, I don't think they're bad because it teaches kids about the armor of God to memorize what pieces they are and so on. However, I don't think that's how you put them on. In fact, I know it's not. For example, how do you put on truth? Well, if you don't even know the truth, if you've never heard the truth, you can't put on the belt of truth. How do you put it on? You have to, well, do what we're doing right now. We're coming to the truth of God's word and we're taking the truth and we're wrapping it right around ourselves, our midsection. In other words, we're taking it right to the core of our beings. And we're saying we accept and strap ourselves with the truth of the word of God and we're gonna buckle this truth on us so that it, it won't let go of us. In other words, no matter whose philosophy, sounds like it's more true than the word of god no nope. we buckle on the truth of god's word and this is the way we see it well why would we do like why would we do that somebody said well what is that like religious brainwashing listen because these are the thoughts of god and if we can embrace god's thoughts we begin to think at a higher level you remember he said my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways And just like the rain and snow come down, so does my word come down to you. And what is he saying? He's saying the rain and snow cause crops to come up that feed you. He's saying my word, when I send my word down to you, Isaiah 55, 11, then my word causes your thoughts to grow up into becoming like God's thoughts. Thank God for his word. See, so we need to put the belt of truth on by doing things like we're doing right now, coming to his word and saying, This is the way it is. This is the way you do it. This is the way to think. Uh, This is the way children should obey their parents. This is the way that masters ought to treat their employees. This is the way that employees ought to treat their masters. See, this is what we're doing. We're putting on the belt of truth by acknowledging and buckling this word on us so that we'll actually live within the confines of this word. Thank God. So he says once again, therefore take up the whole armor of God, verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate. Well, it's not just making a motion like this. No, but I remember when I caught the message teaching uh, on the righteousness of God that if you're born again, you have been given the gift of righteousness and you have become the righteousness of God in Christ. As I meditated on that and declared it, 2 Corinthians five twenty one: for God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. As I meditated and meditated and meditated, all of a sudden faith, just flooded my heart that I really am the righteousness of God in Christ, even though I was still sinning in my flesh and struggling with bondage of sin. Oh, my spirit was righteous. And what happened was when that revelation of righteousness came as to who I was, Oh, it was like a breastplate that kept the enemy from condemning me, guilt-tripping me, and driving me back into sin with that condemnation, see? So that's how it's a breastplate. Notice again, by receiving the truth. And so he goes on to say, uh, "...take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand, uh, having your waist girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace." shod your feet that's that's getting ready preparation of the gospel of peace that you prepare yourself to bring the gospel of peace to other people and let me tell you if you don't prepare yourself often you'll get out there and then you'll just avoid it you'll know the the lord's prompting you you'll think about sharing with somebody and you don't do it Because you're not prepared to do it. See, but if you'll prepare your heart even in the morning to say, Lord, I prepare myself right now. I prepare myself with the the shoes of the gospel of peace to be able to be ready to minister to people. You'd be surprised what a difference that makes just by embracing that one truth. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Can you believe that? So the shield of faith well how does faith come romans 10 17 so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god so what we're doing right now is bringing faith and the preaching and teaching of the word of god that we listen to brings faith to our heart and that faith becomes a shield that quenches the fiery darts of doubt and attack that come against us all the time or the the fiery darts of uh, wrong thinking. You remember the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, that we need to cast down arguments. And ten five, cast down those arguments. How do you do it? With your faith. When you hear the word of God, you believe. And then when something that uh, questions the promise of God or whether it will come to pass or the truth of God's word. You say, no, I don't agree with that. I, the word of God says, see, and so you're quenching these fiery darts coming into your heart and into your mind. So it goes on to say, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take up the helmet of salvation. All of this protects your mind the helmet of salvation, knowing you're saved. Praise God. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Here's a weapon. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Greek word word there is rhema. When you're speaking the word of God, when you're in prayer or when you're just declaring God's word, you've got the sword of the spirit speaking truth, speaking the promises of God. And so when you do that, It may not look in the natural with your physical eyes like any change is happening. But let me tell you, the Bible says, and take the sword of the spirit. We could say it like this, the sword of the spirit realm. The weapon of the spirit realm is declaring God's word. Well, from the beginning of time, God saw that it was dark and he spoke. Let there be light. Bam, there was light. And to this day, when we speak God's word, We may not notice immediately in the natural realm a change, but in the spirit realm, let me tell you, God's word makes the difference. God's word uh, commands authority. And so it is the sword of the spirit. That's why we need to speak these promises. Thank God. So take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying. I like how those go together, which is the word of God, praying, praying, praying. We need to be praying, praying with all prayer. Uh, We could say it like this, all kinds of prayer, intercessory prayer for other people, supplications and petitions, asking for things of God, praise and worship and thanksgiving to God. All these are types of prayer. So he says, praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, in the spirit. I think that's evident that he's saying in other languages, spiritual language, Uh, Pray in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Be praying for other people, not just for yourself. Be praying for other people, needs that other saints have and people have. People that are being persecuted around the world and such. And for me, Paul says... And pray for me that utterance may be given, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. See, we mentioned this before, but he's actually in prison while he's writing this. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He said, pray for me that I will open my mouth and speak and teach and preach the word of God boldly the way that I ought to and not be intimidated by the prison that I'm in or the chains that I'm locked by. Verse 21, "'But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts.'" Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all, excuse me, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Wow, in sincerity. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Not just who say they do, but who really do love the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's Ephesians chapter six. What a powerful chapter. There's so much to study there.
0: Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Deerman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give.